This is Dave Snowden. I've got various titles ranging from Professor at a Complexity Centre to Professional Curmudgeon, and I'm not too much fashion to use. And this is the Agile Uprising Podcast. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hersko, and joining me once again, I have a murderous row of co-conspirators, indicted co-conspirators. First, from the warm south, fresh off the Adirondack Trail, Mr. Mike Cadell. Mike, how are you? Doing great. How do y'all? Uh, from the an even warmer part of the south, um, humans should not live in the temperature this guy lives in. I'm sorry. Uh, Houston, yeah, caves, gives new meaning to the word bat wings. Mr. Andrew Leff. Good to be here. And last but not least from, I don't even know where he's from, but we, we dug him out for this episode because we really missed talking to him. Mr. James Gifford. Gifford, thank you for joining. Yeah, I live out there where there's Amish buggies and I have to worry about farm implements on the way to work. And that's my uh, impediments to travel. I, I forgot. <laughs> no, are they all Amish or are they Mennonite too? Is it just Amish? They're more Mennonite than Amish. Because the Mennonites will use power tools, right? They'll use electricity and power tools. They just won't drive. Technically, some of the Amish people will use power tools as long as they're not getting their power off the man. So as long as they can generate it via diesel generator, the wind, things like that. So like, but they're not Mennonite, but they're not totally Amish. So like, it's that in-between thing. Got it. Got it. So um, there's something to be said about starting a cult. You don't pay taxes. When you're on a cult. Anyway, so the topic of this week's episode is going to be uh, a shout out to a quote by one of our, our shared favorite authors, Johanna Rothman. Uh, her quote was expletive deleted the frameworks. This is from an episode we did probably two years ago, if not three. I don't remember when she's been on so often we can't remember. But what we're really going to talk about, uh, all kidding aside, is the idea of a frameworkless agile transformation. And the reason why we have the people we have on the show this evening is uh, all these gentlemen are familiar or have experience with trying to shift an enterprise to a new way of working, to a new mindset without using a framework out of the box. So I think I'm going to start off this conversation by, um, Lef, I'm going to start with you because you've done both sides of the fence. You've done the framework and the framework list. In your experience, which one was more difficult and why? Oh, uh, uh, and I know it's kind of like was, it's kind of like apples to oranges, but you know as best you can. I, I think they're both difficult. It, I'll give you the consultant's answer. It depends. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I think those <laughs> listeners at home that was three minutes before we hit the first. It depends. <laughs> yeah, I charged you know four fifty by the hour um, for that answer. I I don't know. I I don't know if one's more difficult than the other. I think they both come with complexity. I think. If the foundation isn't there for what the trans transformation goals are, it doesn't matter whether you have a framework or not. Getting that alignment and understanding of how we want to change the way we work and kind of why we want to change the way we work is, is kind of lost. So I think frameworks can convolute or dirty or muddy the water because it gives you a process to follow and it kind of creates a laziness with you know not having to do that goal you know, setting those goals and understanding kind of why. So without the frameworks, it it may give you more opportunity. So I'm kind of backtracking a little bit. It may give you more opportunity 
to set the precedence as this is why we're doing transformation. These are our goals, whether it's speed to market, better quality, delighting our customers, frictionless, whatever the buzzword you want to use. I think maybe it can start with that conversation a little bit sooner um, than having to do the bottom-up approach, which a lot of the frameworks seem to you know, flourish, right? Bottom-up. Mm -hmm. The teams will rally around frameworks easier than the organization. Okay. Okay. Mike, what do you think? Agree? Disagree? Different uh, POV? Uh, largely uh, agree with with Lev. Uh, an additional twist to it that, that I'd offer is that um, the uh, kind of expanding on something that you know, frameworks tend to um, bring you to a certain point faster, but the um, frameworkless, uh, you're, you're a little more susceptible to wandering if you don't have strong direction. But at the end of the day, regardless of what method you're using, this is a human problem. <laughs> um, it, you know, kind of emphasizing what, what Left was saying, if there's not a clear understanding of why this change is being undertaken and what benefit it uh, is hoped to uh, bring to us, kind of doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're going to uh, spin around and, and create waste and frustration uh, one way or the other. So Okay. Yeah. And, and just, just real quick, I'm going to Merman real quick, but I think something that Mike <laughs> said, right, that, <clears throat> that human-centric approach and tying this back into, I think frameworks give people comfort because it gives them a pattern or a process, right? So there's comfort in understanding kind of the how. And I think that also gives, you know, some validity to why starting with a framework might appease people in a certain way, because there is comfort in in showing kind of how it works as opposed to going in with with a blank, you know, greenfield, right, which yeah. I think creatively allows us to coach in a different way uh, when, when you can greenfield a transformation without some of the baggage of a framework. Yeah, so, so with the greenfield, you don't have to get people over the doubt of, am I doing this right? Am I doing it the way the framework says? But you know, to, to last point, you, you, your ability to wander is- uh, Right, it, it greatly, greater. greatly exacerbated. So Gifford, I wanna pick your brain and get your thoughts. Um, Cause I know you did a, you did a big one without a, without a framework and you, you found that it was, it was an interesting experience because it, there were things that you learned that you didn't think you were going to learn, uh, things you didn't realize you needed until you needed them. What What are your thoughts? What What's easier? Do I just stamp safe on somebody or do I truly go bespoke? Well, I mean, I really think it's a, it all comes down to an economic decision and what is your North Star and what's agile enough for your organization or insert lean enough or like, you know, you throw the two in a blender and you end up with, uh, you know, a margarita or a pina colada for left. You know, he likes those pina coladas. So when it all comes down False. to it, I mean, the, the general challenge with everything that is out there, whether it's Lean, Deming, Drucker, all of these different principles are abstract for, for most folks. Like if I show up and say simplicity, the art of maximizing the work not done is essential, your brain just exploded and now you're laying on the floor dead and there's probably three other people with you. 
So a lot of these principles are super abstract and they are there to solve a particular problem. Just enough, just in time, focusing on quality. Like they, like a lot, all of these things, whether it's lean or agile, it doesn't come out and just punch you in the face and say one way or another why we want to do this and the value proposition behind it. And so that is why it does. it is hard to start out with a greenfield approach. And I will tell you that when we started our the the transformation that we went through, we started out by just doing basic scrum training, just to give people building blocks, block and tackling of tools. But we made a we made a conscious decision on who to go after first. These were the people that were doing greenfield projects, like net new, hiring a bunch of new people. They like the economic conditions were there. We needed it to be disruptive. We knew that it wasn't going to get past more than ten teams. They were self-contained. Everything about it was a bubble. So it was it was self-contained and we got them doing Scrum to get them to go through the motions with the North Star of being able to have quick, rapid delivery, being able to be disruptive, to be able to quickly get things out in the market. So like talk back to left conversation around business outcomes, the conditions were there. And then we went to the next group that we could, and our product strategy was very bubbled. Like everything could connect it. All the products themselves were loosely coupled, individually sellable, but they all connected together. And that's some of the underpinnings that a lot of companies are missing. Like you can't go take this to like a JP Morgan Chase and do that kind of stuff because everything's tightly coupled. There's right. 500 teams that you need to deliver this thing. And so context is everything. And that's how I get around the, it depends. It's, it's your context is everything. Now, that's, that's the new consultant language. Right All right. Context <laughs> is everything. All right. Context Write that down. Is everything. So, yeah. And by um, the way, for those of you also tracking at home, this is the first time in our show's history of six or seven years that mer the term merman has been used as a verb. Um, so that, that will show up in the Agile Uprising 10th anniversary <laughs> trivia challenge. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Mike, po Mike pointed at this, Mike poked at this, left poked at this, and you just started poking at James. The thing to me, when someone says we're going to try and we're going to try and do the agile, right? Again, I'm stealing from Johanna. We're going to do the agile. But when they say they're not going to use a framework, the first thing that jumps out of my mind, and I don't know if it's because I'm a pessimist, a cynic, a realist, whatnot, is the, the one of the nice things about a framework, right? One of the nice things is there is a loci of reference. Where if I, if Lef is just some network guy and he's involved in a big company and he hears that we're going through a transformation and we're going to use this thing called Scrum at Scale, right? Or Safe or whatever. He can go out and you can Google that and at least get some semblance of an idea of a backstory without being told, here's what it is. So that's a benefit and a curse, right? The benefit is <clears throat> he can self-start and learn. The problem is, and I, and I think I would speak for all of us when I say we walk into these organizations where they saw the big picture, they grabbed the pieces that were most resonant to them, they forgot about everything else, and then they said, well, we're safe because we do X, or we're agile because we do X. And to your point, Gifford, um, they didn't take that the idea of start small, surgically target where you know you're going to get the win, amplify the win. Well, and I think so. Right, right now, I'm at a at a place that's gone through, you know, one of the um, McKinsey dipping with one of the management <laughs> systems. And you know, they 
it's pretty much based on Shingo Lean. So, you know, one of the 30, 30 Baskin Robbins of Lean. Um, and, you know, they got these, they, you got nine, I got peers. So I got nine peers and we're all trying to get together and be better cross-pollinated because apparently the business touches the people doing the product development, which touches IT and apparently all got to talk together. Amazing. Um, and we needed a simple way to connect us on what everybody was doing. And so, and we want to make sure that it's quick and quick and rapid. So I didn't need all of Scrum, but what I needed was a rebranded sprint review because the outcomes of a sprint review. So like, this is where having that guide, having that person that understands what these practices are, what they solve. But like when you go and do a sprint review, you're showing what you delivered, you're connecting people to the strategy of where you're going. Uh, and you uh, discovered new things in the ecosystem that may impact or change the direction that you're going. So like in that McKinsey framework, they talk about connect, deliver, enable, and discover is the four systems that most of these things all fit into that you get to better leadership. Well, right there, I'm able to connect on the three big, three of the big bubbles there without ever doing anything other than showing people this is a sprint review. We're going to rebrand it to this for our context and bringing it into the vernacular of your company and what you've been doing for the last three years and had a lot of great results because we've been able to tie it to their mindset, their world, the context of why it's in what problems this solves. And then we've we've gyrated on on the implementation of it a few times because you know we we learned something along the way. But if you don't have that person that has that Rolodex of like all the shit in the industry that, you know, this is why X scales was like really a good idea because they give you the context of all these frameworks, the problems, the bits, the what they do that, you know, you generally have to hire an agile coach because we've all been nerding and sitting in conferences and reading books till our eyes bleed to understand all the nuanced crap around this stuff. And so that's another reason that the frameworks are good is because I can pick up a scrum guide and I can read through that and it tells you directly what a sprint review is or a stand up. So like there's documentation, um, but what you do with the documented version, how you spin it, that's all, the, that's where all the magic and the secret sauce is. So having the context of why something's important, why you care about, you know, item aging, if you're Dan Vacanti and pro Kanban. I care about item aging because that means shit's sitting somewhere and I don't have right. flow. Uh, right. And that might be a problem I want to solve. So like being able to contextualize this stuff is like the, the secret sauce to framework or framework list. So that could change management and all these types of things. So <clears throat> I'm going to ask you, Lef, is there, is there, is there a heurist, is there a heuristic or a rubric or is there a cheat where you can, walk into conversation organization they're 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 looking to do the thing and it's kind of lends itself to you saying yeah if i try and do a framework here they're just going to make a muck of it we're better off just starting small and and doing something bespoke is there a cheat that you could you could suggest to people listening yeah hire anyone on this podcast um <laughs> excuse me um i don't know if there's a cheat I think for me, going into an engagement or kind of doing any discovery is, you know, <laughs> I chuckle because we we promote 
this nimble quality that we're looking for organizations to be more nimble, right? To be more lean as, as Gifford's talking about and, and understand. But the industries that are enterprise-wide large, right? That are harder to, to kind of scale is because they're not nimble. They're just not. They've never been nimble, right? They've never, they're just monoliths. It's, it's an iceberg floating out there at a slow pace. So <clears throat> how do you start to implement these frameworks to, to create this nimble quality for a company that just doesn't understand or can't be nimble, right? For whatever reasons. So I think, especially in the financial world. So how do you balance the two by using some of the good qualities of a framework and start to create the, the collective approach to aligning on something, right? Not aligning on a framework, but aligning on something, whether they're business outcomes, goals, vision, strategy. How do you start getting people to talk about the right things as opposed to be distracted by, well, Scrum has too many ceremonies and I don't mm. have time, right? Mm. We, we do a retro every two weeks. That's a waste of our time. We should be doing something more productive. Oh, safe. You want to do PI planning for two to three days? Are you out of your mind? Oh, wait, now you want us to do an IP sprint? That's crazy. That's that's a couple of days of lost productivity. So to me, it's it's just creates distraction. So to your original question, I don't know if there is, I, I really do. And, and, and I know I was joking at the beginning, but I do think it takes someone that has experience to be able to tell you the truth, right? To truly say that you're not in a state to do, here's the things you should be focused on. Don't worry about agile. Don't worry about a framework. Focus on this or these five things to enable your organization to build the capabilities to be more nimble. Okay. Okay. In the, so in the immortal words of Larry, the cable guy, sometimes you got to wreck the truck to make the payment. There are instances where you do need to install the framework with the vision of ripping it out later. There are yep. instances where it's the conditions are, you can see that everything's interlocked. They've gone and like enterprise this, and it's got to integrate with this and you're just like well we're gonna have to do the safe thing or something like the safe thing to like show them that this thing's a you know complete tijuana donkey show and that we're going to need to peel this thing apart like there are to get them to where they need to go sometimes you got to wreck the truck right right so i want to i want to kind of leap a little bit off topic but to what left said and mike i want to ask you this Left used the term the, the the perception of lost productivity. Is that the biggest monster we face when trying to do what we do? Someone's mental construct of, but if I do this, I will be losing productivity. Is that holy dragon that needs to be slayed? The great dragon? Um, I think the first half of that statement is probably the dragon to be slayed. If I do this, I fear I will insert something. <clears throat> People don't resist change. They resist being told to change. Why do, why do I not want to do this? Because I'm uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I probably heard me say this more than once. 
people get to the points they're at where they're making their decision makers in a significant organization, not because they're they're good looking or they're they're lucky. They get there because they've done things that have worked. So who are, who am, who are we? We come along and say, hey, you got to do the you should do the agile thing or whatever the thing is, and they're looking like the hell. <clears throat> Why should I do that? This has worked for me fine so far. So if you can't connect a reason to behave differently to a benefit, people aren't going to aren't, aren't going to buy it. So productivity is is one of the common things, but it's more just why should I do this and what's it going to do for me and 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 why why bother? Okay. Um, that was an unfair slight to Andrew Left who is both good looking and lucky. Um so well, Left, mean, I'm I'm like gonna... something from Joni Love Chachi right now. It's not going to escape the village people uh, I, I really wish we had video on some of these <laughs> some of these episodes. So Left, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bounce off of um Mike's comment to you. So what is what are some of the gotchas? So we know you we all know as as experienced practitioners when you say I'm going to use X to, to James, you know, where he said we're this time going to conferences and reading books. We know when someone says, I want to use this and they hold up the spatula, you know, oh shit, that the gotcha with that is blah, 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 blah. What are some of the gotchas if someone's debating to safe or not to safe? That is the question. What are some of the things that they should be thinking about if they want to say, you know what, we're going to do this whole bad boy bespoke. We're just going to, going to, going to build it as we go. I think to me, it's the level of effort, no matter what framework you're going to apply, even even waterfall, right? Wh whatever methodology you're going to apply is the level of, of readiness and health of, of your current state of work and how your how your organization is structured, right? Like a lot of these, a lot of this starts in IT or engineering or development. And it it kind of negates the partnership that needs to happen, or it doesn't it doesn't focus hard enough. It's too hard of a hill to climb to build the bridge between business and, and engineering or, you know, business product and IT, whatever flavor you want to call it. And I think that that, that needs to be first and foremost is, is what is our partnership model? How are we now going to use a framework to further, you know, embed and, and, and foundationally develop that model to to collaborate in understanding these are the product things we need to do and here's the engineering things we need to do to build out and support to deploy what products looking for that i don't know maybe it's me but in 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 the years i've been doing this i feel like that is not i've never seen that in except for a small shop and when i say small like 20 people or less right where they are nimble and they are conversating and they are collaborating and there's a high level of energy spent on those discussions and not a high and not the energy spent on well you suck at your job we didn't deliver your requirements were garbage you know your code sucks like all this blame storming stuff is just noise so i think that the larger the scale the more noise in the system you get and people have a hard time filtering through that noise so that's kind of to me. I think, if nothing else, creating that partnership model is is key to success for, or at least key to a better outcome for anything that you do. 
if I if I can kind of uh, tag on to that, Bluff. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, called it's called mermaning, Mike. Just go for it. Just say I'm just gonna mermin. <laughs> and that will be coming coming back after the conversations moved on. <laughs> uh, but uh, kind of uh, along the lines of what Gip was saying earlier, uh, client I'm working with currently, um, it's you know, the the e-commerce part of a large global corporation. And the uh, person who's uh, driving for change, uh, her advice is work with the people who are interested and help them be really good. And then they will shame their peers into coming along on the journey. Uh, so again, nothing to do with framework this or framework that, it's mm. human behavior. and. And uh, and to a certain there's a certain extent of uh, um, status uh, attainment and corporate theater that's involved as well. Uh, along <laughs> along the same lines, I had a I had um, a metaphor used <clears throat> last time I got together with a bunch of coaches in my current gig, where they said the remark was made that we want to help the people that are swimming towards us. Yes not try and catch the people that are swimming away from us. And I never heard it put that way. And I stopped and I went, damn, that makes sense, right? If they're swimming towards you, they're looking for help. You help them. Don't help the, the kid who's not listening to the lifeguard. He's going out further, you know, little Bobby Kittner. Well, I'm sorry, Bobby, there's Jaws out there. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> sure, sure it'll work out great for you. Um, I mean, man, the stickers a, coming out of this episode are going to be unreal. Gifford? There's a lot of merit to that. I mean, if, you're, if your business and IT groups treat your, either one of them like a uh, vendor, just fucking pull the plug. You're not, you're not going to make it. You also, when you're doing these things, you also re- got to realize that you also need to be willing to be Noah. You're going to build an ark. You're going to put the people that want to come along and they're going to get on the boat, hopefully two by two, because it's nice and orderly. And then the rain's going to come and should take the rest of them away. So like when you go to do this stuff, make sure that you've got a severance package pool because you're going to need to shit can people to, to take the, you, I mean, when, mm-hmm. there's, you know, we've had serious conversations where, look, you guys can keep riffing the bottom 10% every year and get rid of those low performers or you could look at the people that aren't going to help your company get to where they need to go culturally, deliberately, whatever, and start riffing those people. Because nine times out of 10, that person that's a low performer, they got a crappy boss, or they've got something going on in their personal life that their boss won't recognize and help support them in. So start taking the trash out, get ready to be Noah, and so a lot of this stuff will, will get better. Uh, that's, a, you, that's a good way to put it right? Don't just riff the lowest 10% just because. Riff the people who are going to be in the way. You're absolutely right. Or the lowest 10% is is assessed based on um, adaptiveness and willing to uh, get with the program. Yeah. Yeah. Willing to be nimble. If, if you, Sorry, meatloaf, but if you can't do the pirouettes on the toes, like ballet, <laughs> sorry, buddy, this might not be a, this might not be the place for you. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this one out there as a toss up as a question. So We've talked about we've talked about the gotchas. We've talked about doing framework versus framework list. We've talked about how to figure out which one is the better fit. What are some of the key? So for those that are listening, what are some of the key if I'm if I'm gonna go without a framework and I'm gonna go bespoke and I'm just gonna start small and train people? 
what are some of the places that I should start educating people first? And the reason I bring this up is because we just interviewed Josh Karievsky, who talked about when you go to a tennis coach, the first thing they don't teach you is to, is to serve like Pete Sampras. The first thing they teach you is hit the ball back over the net. Start with the small basics. And sometimes us agile nerds get out, get into, we can't get out of our own way. And I come around the corner wildly gesticulating, yelling about throughput accounting, and they want to throw me out of the room. So what are some of the things you start with? I, I'll, I'll start it off then, then left tag on. Um, I'd start with um, working small, <clears throat> getting feedback, delivering stuff on a cadence regularly to get feedback <clears throat> and, um, and and then layer onto that, um, talk to each other. <laughs> and um, the uh, uh, half, half a shameless plug, the company I work for currently um, centers on principles as opposed to frameworks. And what we, we, we educate our, our clients is to care about three things. The value, creating the thing that's most valuable, the flow of work, so keeping things flowing optimized for the whole, and then quality, getting fast feedback. So you, you take those, those concepts, work small, um, deliver stuff, get feedback, talk to each other. So I don't know. Okay. How many did I check off, Lev? <laughs> a, a good portion. So, so if I yes and what Mike said, and I'll give a shout out to Gifford because I, I think when Gifford and I worked at a particular client, we were doing things at scale without a framework, right? So, um, implementing some really interesting things um, before even like Scaled Agile really had, at least we had exposure to it uh, to quite some, to some degree. But I think to me it. <clears throat> To, to build upon what Mike was saying, I think to me, it has to start at refinement. How are you refining the work and getting a common understanding so we can even feed teams, right? And not do local optimization, not architect our teams like our software stack, right? We don't have an API team, a backend team, a frontend team. So how do we start looking at the universe, breaking it down into solar systems and say, okay, here's a planet, here's a planet, here's a star, you know, even understanding the taxonomy of the work to be able to break it down to care and feed for people on teams. I think that's where I think the, the biggest bang for the buck is when it comes to how to start. It needs to start there. Whoever those stakeholders are strategically, how are we working? What's our roadmap? How do we break that roadmap down into bite-sized pieces or diamonds into smaller diamonds, whatever metaphor you want to use? I think it's important that people understand how to break work down into something that is executable and not just ambigu you know, amb ambiguous. Sorry, Gifford, I jumped in there. Well, no, I mean, you're you're pretty much right in that, that particular one. We started that thing out with like personas and empathy and like, who are we serving? And like, what do we need to do to replace this e-com platform? So there was literally, we spent five days doing story mapping, journey mapping, building personas, and the shit on the walls. I mean, we filled up a 60 by 60 conference room, every single wall, wall to wall, story maps, journey maps. <clears throat> and it wasn't like we were doing like waterfall requirements. 
but it was just enough that like you could tell the story and start to talk about how things interacted and you could see that and then you could and then we put all that shit on a 40 foot wall from like it's a big rock all the way down to like it's it's ready for a customer to see every six weeks like it so left is really on point with like you got to be able to get some of this thought process out the idea of we don't know when it'll be done and we're going to just continue to build and, and do crazy shit doesn't work like having some level of understanding of what you're trying to get after it does start with refinement it doesn't have to be the best it doesn't have to be the smartest but there's general tools to help you put this stuff on paper to actually have a conversation about um you know in the words of you know we we should just need to you know what is it collaborate deliver reflect and improve. <laughs> uh, no i mean alistair wasn't actually far off there like mike kind of coming back to to collaboration like the act of storytelling the act of being able to put this stuff in front of people and make it visual to get everybody onto that same page because if i'm sitting there and you got a square over your head, Andrew's got a triangle over his head, and I'm sitting here with like the dodecahedron. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we're hooped. But if we all show up and we got some weird squiggly bubble over our head and we're all on the same page, a lot of these barriers go away. I mean, it's a lot of times when you're in these companies, it's like the Tower of Babel. Um, and, it, you know, you're all trying to get to some goal, but everybody's talking a different language. And that's two Bible references there. In the we, podcast. I, we need more Gifford on these shows because I literally have at least seven different <laughs> sticker ideas, <laughs> promo ideas, references. His, his metaphors are unreal. Um, one of the things I, I'm convinced of, I'm convinced of, and I'm waiting for someone to prove me wrong. Agile transformations are all the same in the sense that they're all stochastic, right? They all, it's like a drunk, you know, stochastic process is a drunk wandering home. You can't predict exactly how he's going to wander. You know he's going to migrate toward the streetlights to keep himself up, and he's going to get home. I am convinced that every process has the same, every transformation has the same couple of turns. The first realization is, oh, shit, we, ha we have no idea how to break down the work. So you're going to spend a year trying to figure out how to break down the work to the left's point, backlog, road mapping, that sort of stuff. Then you're going to go, well, oh, shit. Our structure does not allow us to quickly deliver value because there's too many handoffs. So you're going to spend the next year rejiggering your org structure to, to allow that work that you've defined to pass through. And then in the third year, you're going to go, well, oh, shit, we don't have the technical practices necessary, the architecture and the process to actually allow us to take this broken down work with minimal handoffs and get into production. And you're going to spend that third chunk of time, that third lamppost the drunk goes towards. Um, just getting your tech practices right. Now, as to what the fourth part is, I'm going to be honest, I don't know because nobody ever gets to the end of this movie. I'm really kind of curious, but we gotta, I am- You forgot DevSecOps Ninja throws. Oh, uh, then he shows up. Yeah, that's, that's the rat running. And, that's uh, the rat, yeah. the New York rat dragging the slice of pizza across the subway steps where you kind of <laughs> just got to stop and appreciate it and go, I appreciate this guy's hustle. I appreciate this guy's hustle. So- um, <laughs> Gents, we, we've talked a lot about, we've talked about frameworks. We've talked about how to jump out the jump out the gate and get started. We talked about things to watch out for. We talked about for the 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 heuristic, right? The 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 rubric of how do I know? Do I want to switch or not? Um, any other final thoughts for anybody who's listening to this? Maybe their company is one of the laggards 
and they're they're getting ready to do a transformation and somebody somewhere is kind of has the ear of, 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 of an important person and can plant the seed where maybe we should do safe or maybe we should go out on our own. Any final yeah. words of wisdom or thoughts you would impart to this person? And I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with Mr. Cadell. Sure. Uh, two, two thoughts. Um, first is to that person, I offer this perspective. Put the, the methods and the acronyms and all that stuff to the side for a moment and just observe your organization and observe how people uh, take in new information and how they make decisions. And that will then start you on your way towards discerning how best to help your organization chart this, this path. And then the, the second thing is, um, as we've been talking this evening, I've been tossing around in my head something that uh, I've seen come up on, on the Discord and in, in other forums. There's uh, people who think, who advocate you have to think your way to, um, to new, think your way to new act, new actions and others suggest you have to act your way to a new way of thinking and as we're way. talking through this it occurs to me it's a little bit of both if they're not mutually exclusive so you, you have to act your way to a new way of thinking and at the same time you have to think your way to a new way of acting so you have to have something to get started but blank sheets of paper rarely um, work unless you're like you know Michelangelo or something. And, right, there needs to be a catalyst somewhere. Okay, yeah. but, good. But also, good. you you have to um, yeah, you have to learn by doing. You know, kind of going back to the opening words of the Agile Manifesto. So, the thoughts I'd offer. Okay, Mr. Leff. Yeah, I think um, one of these days during an Agile transformation, we're going to uncover Jimmy Hoffa because I feel like you just. <laughs> You find where all the bodies are buried. And, I, you know, a coach said to me, and I, it's always stuck with it, stuck with me, you know, you can't rent a transformation. So I think you truly need to be invested in understanding why you're going about making changes. And you need to, to understand the noise that it creates. It amplifies every workaround that historically you've, you've been dealing with or have created to, to avoid some of what is going to be uncovered. So I think the level of noise and exposure that we often bring with your baby's ugly creates a lot of friction. And I that is a piece, and, and uh, <clears throat> hopefully Mike is experiencing all this with his Orc, Orsk training, right? The friction and the the kind of, you know, triggering of an organization is, is really loud. And, and how do you go about getting the organization to understand that it's not the transformation's fault, right? It's it's not it's not the system's fault. It's it's how are we listening to the voice of the system and using those signals to make better data driven decisions? And I think that's also the piece as you're going through deciding whether this is something you want to embark on is how do you process the data? How are you going to use the data that is being fed to you constantly to make better informed decisions, or are you going to react and be, stay emotional based upon all the level of exposure? So, you know, 
strap up because it's really or strap in I should say it's really um a really difficult uh it's a lot of work and it's it's if you can actually weather the storm I love the way you put it Jay with that three-year kind of learning it's always every year is a new learning journey Mm -hmm. every day is a new learning journey so it doesn't end and I think that's a lot of the the challenges you you can't put a timeline on this right you just right. the, the, the idea of lost productivity throw that thing right out the window there is no such thing as lost productivity well uh what did david marquet say in, in leadership is language it's better to go one mile an hour in the right direction than 100 miles an hour in the wrong yep. direction i Amen. i i owe that i owe that guy royalties for that one all right james take us home final thoughts words final, of advice final thoughts look this is an economical decision if if you start going through this rubric, I got I can deploy once a year to my clients because that's all the more that they can accept change. Okay, check. That's that's a bad idea. Um, the, this product that we're getting ready to do this on, it's in its uh, basically end of life. It's heading into like retirement, but it's rake it's cash. It's it money just falls off of it, and you got to go rake up the piles to keep the yard looking nice. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to go spend the millions of dollars to transform that. Leave it go, maybe introduce some practices to make it a little bit more effective or efficient, but don't go like, fuck, we're going scrum. We're gonna do this whole thing. No, don't waste your time, help improve it. Know where you're at, know that it's an economical decision. You are going to blow up your organization. If you're not willing to bring finance, if you're not willing to bring HR into this, if you're not willing to look at your complex adaptive system that it, that you you're you're trying to change an entire organism, if you're not ready to go talk to the entire organism, just piss off. You're not gonna you're not gonna win in the end. But if you can start to connect these dots, all of these things, if you have a vision for where you want to go, what the problems you want to solve. Put it on a use the improvement kata, EBM, whatever you want that is going to give you a path to here's our target condition, here's everything that's in the way, and here's the plan to get there. So to some degree, to Mike's point, you do need to think to where you're going into that North Star and giving yourself a destination, as well as doing the actions and acting your way through there. You pop in the coaching kata in there to help bring that along. A bunch of lean stuff I just threw at you, but you got to have a destination. You got to know what conditions you're trying to resolve. Um, it could be relationship between business and IT. It may take you a year and a half to get to that, and and really bring those two groups together. Like you, you, you have to be intentional with this stuff. You are messing with people, their livelihoods, their happiness. You got to meet people where they're at. If you're in an organization that's been top down, people beat to death, told what to do, not given the liberties to think and, you know, do things on their own. You've got a bunch of learned helplessness in your organization and self-organizing autonomous blah, blah, blah team ain't going to get it done because they're going to be sitting there going, hey, boss, what do you want me to do? Oh, wait, you're not even my manager. You're a product owner, too. Do you have power to tell me what to do? Yes. Self-organized, self-organized, organizing, managing, blah, blah, blah. That definitely, that's, that's a t-shirt right there. That is not even a sticker. That's a t-shirt. I'm tired. Right up there with Agile, Agile, Agile. 
I'm tired of hearing about the self-empowered autonomous teams. Like, fuck that. Like, get over yourselves. Yes, you want independent teams making the right decisions with some guardrails. Because, you know, the minute that the guy takes away that field that allows you to actually report your capitalization versus expense because they didn't like filling out a field in Jira, and now the government's, like, ramming it to you because you're falsely reporting earnings and things like that. Yeah, that's. I'm glad we have self-empowered, <laughs> high-performing teams. Way to go, really, guys! That's really work. That's working out for us. <coughs> awesome, right, awesome. I'm, I'm on my. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, you, you've uh, you've closed this out quite well. Uh, so once again, I want to thank uh, Mike, Andrew, and James for taking the time to record this on behalf of the four of us. I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. If you like what you heard, give us a review, a rating. Um, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on um, PodHub, your podcast listening of choice. Um, if you want to join in the conversation, we have a Discord site. It's linked off our website. It's really kind of vibrant. Uh, they're actually doing a lot of stuff right now with clean language. So hop on in, get in the conversation. It's pretty cool. And last but not least, we want to thank Machine Man Records and Krebs for our outro music being provided royalty-free. So thank you once again. So until next time, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out.